Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Momar Khan, Brandon Hunt, Mike Tomlin, uh, R. Rooney II, and basically all the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that can hopefully compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy whether that's this season, next season, or another season to come. Um, but obviously, as Pittsburgh Steel fans, we always are thinking and hoping and praying uh, that that Super Bowl winning season is the season that's about to come up. So look, obviously, it's been a big week in the NFL. Uh, you know, I come to you, I'm recording this live on my Wednesday night. Um, obviously, I, I woke up to the news this morning um, around, you know, Aaron Rodgers' big deal, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's, uh, trade, which I think Seattle have done pretty well out of, particularly if the Denver Broncos don't win a Super Bowl. Um, I think that's a, it's interesting. I actually think it's a better fit for the Broncos to get Wilson. Um, and I think that with some of their players that they've got on that team, the youth on that team, they probably have set themselves up here for three or four years. Um, it might not be 2022 when it all gets put together, but I think in 2023, it's going to be looking pretty good. So mission to see what they do there, um, the way his deal works, some other movements as well. They probably now can shore up their O-line a little bit, um, you know, both in free agency and the draft and focus there. But, you know, they, they better want to win a Super Bowl. Um, but they have had some good draft picks and some good depth over the last few years. That being said, there were a lot of good players like Noah Fant traded. Um, and I think the Seahawks are in a good position with those picks. Uh, and also some of the free agents that might be available. Um, you'd have to think they're going to go in for Malik Willis, um, but all of that will be determined come draft day. Um, but so in today's show, I want to talk about Combine. Um, the Combine obviously went for multiple days. The NFL have made a real show out of it. It's one that I, I love, but it's become a lot harder um, with the way they've split these positions out so much. Um, and, considering I'm on the other side of the world. And so it, it catches me at the end of end of the work week, you know, at, you know, in the middle of my day, and then it hits me um, over the, over my weekend, you know, it hit me when I did the touchdown under show this week that I host with, uh, and I had Shannon White on as a guest. Um, so it hit me there too. Um, and then I had to play catch up as well on Monday, Tuesday. So I'm almost through, believe it or not, all of it. Um, some of that's helped by the fact I've got a back injury at the moment. So I'm up through the middle of the night. So I've got to wake up constantly to treat that. And, you know, that means I'm sort of awake and I'm, I'm being able to, I've been able to watch a little bit on replay um, to, just to stay on top of it. But, you know, I've, I've got a little bit more I need to do around safeties and cornerbacks, but I have read through obviously all their stats. So in today's show, I want to talk about some of the successes. There are obviously some really awesome combine. I also wanted to talk about, you know, some surprises there. I don't necessarily think that we need to talk about people that failed so much. I think that's not really of benefit. Um, but there were some surprises, some good and bad ones. Uh, and and you know Jeff Hartman likes the winners and losers, so I wanted to I want to take uh, winners and losers. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the overall feedback from some of the supposed experts. Um, you know, in the draft, you know, we're sort of saying. Um, and then we're going to, and then I'm going to talk through some of the things that stood out for me, some things to note from the Steelers. So the first thing is NFL.com, um, obviously the league's, you know, official website. Um, they put out some winners, winners and losers of the combine, um, but more centered around the top performance. Um, so a quarterback that had, you know, Kenny Pickett, um, honorable mention for Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter. Uh, and 
you know, they sort of said he was best fit was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, Carolina Panthers, and then Denver Broncos. People sort of were happy with his 40-yard dash, um, you know, being a 4.73. His passing looks pretty good. While Malik Willis, you know, they acknowledge that Malik Willis has a higher um, ceiling and floor. Um, you know, Pickett's probably the most pro-ready. Well, the Steelers need a pro-ready quarterback. I just don't know whether Kenny Pickett's really going to be there. Um, that's the thing. And is Kenny Pickett even worth the 20th pick? I've seen you know, other drafts where he goes, drops all the way down, um, you know, to quite late in the 20s and the early 30s. So that can be interesting. Um, running backs, Brees Hall, um, he doesn't he doesn't fit with the Steelers according to their website. Um, you know, Kenny, Kenny Walker the third, he doesn't fit um, either. You know, it's interesting, the four teams that are the best team fits in the Miami Dolphins, Arizona Cardinals, Houston Texans, and Atlanta Falcons. They're the best fits for both of those players. And that makes sense, you know, but all those teams really do need a running back. Um, that being said, you know, I think there are guys like James Cook out of Georgia, um, you know, Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State, that maybe they're guys um, the Steelers would like to look at, but I think then they're, they're not going to necessarily be there when they want the Steelers drafting in a running back. Wide receivers, um, according to NFL.com, they had Chris Olave. Uh, Garrett Wilson, no surprises there with their 40 times and their reputation. They had Sky Moore, which a lot of BTSC uh, staff are pretty keen on Sky Moore, um, but he's probably pushed himself to the end of the second, early the third. Um, it doesn't really line up the Steelers' picks at 52 and 84 currently, um, but I would think if he was sitting there at 84 uh, and, you've, and you've not necessarily brought back Juju, you've not addressed wide receiver and free agency, you, you know, I'm sure he's someone that the name pops up. Um, tight ends, Greg Dulcich. I'll talk about him more because I agree. I think he was a top performer. Connor Haywood, I'll talk more about him, but they were the top performers at tight ends. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. Iki Okonwu, I think he's proven he's, you know, arguably the top offensive lineman, um, but it's, it's hard to say when Evan Neal, you know, sat out um, and he's saving it for his pro day. Uh Left guard, Cole Strange. We're going to talk about him. I, I said we were going to do that last week. Sent to Cam Jurgens. He, look, oh, you know, we'll talk about him later in the show, but, you know, Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska. To me, he was one of the highlights of this combine. I mean, that man can move. Uh, big man. His nickname's Beef Jerky. Apparently, he gave jerky to all the teams he interviewed with. He's considered a potential fit, according to NFL.com, as a fit with the Steelers. Um, you know, I don't know whether the Steelers fans would love the selection necessarily, you know, because for those that are anti um, Kevin, you know, Kendrick Green, or for those that are, you know, not necessarily anti him, but don't have any confidence right now, don't think he's the true answer. I don't know whether you want to take the flyer on Cam, Cam Jurgens, but I'll save that for later on in the show when we cover that piece. Um, at the right guard position, Dylan Palm, we're going to cover him as well. I think he stood out uh, to me. Right tackle, Charles Cross. Uh, defense. Jordan Davis stood out, no questions there. Devontae Wyatt, according to NFL.com, no questions there. Trevon Walker, I think he had a really interesting 40, 40 time at 4.51, um, a 40 um, and a 35, yeah, so 4.5140 and a 35 and a half inch vertical jump. You know, he had a next gen stats athleticism score at 87, you know, incredibly athletic. Um, I think he's you know, weighing at 275 pounds, you know, so he's moving a lot faster than that weight. My gosh. Um, you sort of see why Bucky Brooks had him mocked to the Steelers um, back in January. I mean, gosh, if he was sitting there at 20, you're the Steelers and you're not fully competent on to it. And, you know, I, 
yeah, I, I wouldn't hate the pick, but that way, um, yeah, for, for Trevor Walker. Um, and you know, you could probably drop him into the linebacker spot when you needed to, um, in a pinch. Aiden Hutchinson obviously tested out, Jermaine Johnson tested out, um, as well. Linebackers, Devin Lloyd, Channing Tindall, Christian Harris. Um, Christian Harris got there on his 40. I'm going to talk about Chad Moomer a little bit. I think Chad Moomer was one of the top, you know, the top guys again. Um, cornerback, Sauce Gardner, no surprise there. Trent McDuffie, who, you know, sort of was high, you know, much earlier in the college season and sort of came out of favor. And now he seems to be rocking back up the boards, which I think is fair. Kyle Hamilton and Dax Hill. Kyle Hamilton's one of the best players in this draft. No surprises to see him as a top safety. And then Dax Hill there as well, who I think is moving up himself um, quite well. And he posted a really good 40 time. Now that's NFL.com. I then had a look at PFF, uh, you know, PFF in all its glory. And yeah, it's it's hard. There's agreements and disagreements. Um, so Desmond Ritter, Ritter won out from them from a quarterback position. I, I think I agree. Um, you know, my guy, Kyle Strong, didn't get to do as do as much at the combine. I think he's saving himself for his pro day. He showed that he's got an arm. Um, you know, a couple of wide receivers let him down there, but then he threw really low as one of the tallest quarterbacks um, in this in this draft. He threw a lot of passes low, and I think he's trying to put too much on it um, or too little on it. I think he it's the same thing with the senior bowl, and so I think this draft process might be you know getting to him a little bit. And I think hopefully during his pro day you start to see that ease up. But he's going to have to have a good pro day if he wants to you know, be considered a, a top 50 player in this draft um, or get drafted at least in the top 50. Um, they had the loser of Kenny Pickett due to his hand size. I don't know, PFF, you know, we all know what they like with some numbers. So I'm not going to, that's what they're basing on, fine. Um, winner, Brees Hall, I think he's proven he's a top running back. They had Kyron Williams, you know, as the loser. Um, they had Christian Watson as a winner. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Um, that he was one of several winners. They said Traylon Burks was a loser with a four-five-five. Um, he's six foot three and two hundred and twenty-five pounds, though. I know he didn't have a great vertical or broad jump, but the guy can do stuff on tape, and that's the problem with the combine. And we'll get there later on the show. Is that you've got to actually put things on tape. Cole Turner, the Nevada tight end, was their loser. Greg Dulcich again. Um, so he seems to become a bit of a consensus tight end. Um, for everyone. I talked about him early on in the season after he had a couple of really great games early on in the college season. Um, I talked about him on this show briefly because I'd heard a bit of a profile on him. Like He came off like a three touchdown, like 200 yard game early on in the season. It was second or third week. Um, they're playing a little bit H back, um, a little bit wide receiver because he's a converted wide receiver. Um, they're doing a lot with him. Jelani Woods is an honorable mention for them as well. Um, Jake Ferguson as well. They had Trevor Penning. I thought he was he's quite a standout in the um, combine for me. Loser Max Mitchell. I think Max Mitchell's had a terrible um, draft process between the senior bowl um, now and and the combine. I think he's really dropped some stock. I think he's probably moved from a you know a day late day two, early day three, right down into a middle day three pick. Interior defensive line, Zion Johnson, I think he's clear, a clear winner on the offensive line. They had loser Kenyon Green. I don't know about that. I don't think that, you know, Kenyon Green's 5-2-2 or 5-2-4, whatever the 40-yard time really is that bad. Jordan Davis was a winner for them. Loser to Marvin Leal. I think most people have started to see Leal drop off the radar for them to a degree. Um, edge defender Trevor Walker was the winner. Loser was MyJ Sanders, which is interesting. I don't think he did terribly. Um, but his 40 could, you know, probably need to be 10th of a second, you know, even, you know, a, you know a fifth of a second faster. Um 
So then they won back they had Leo Chanel right of Wisconsin. He was surprised for a lot of people. Kobe Dean was a loser. I don't think Kobe Dean lost. Um, but I think people were more worried about his size. Cornerbacks on McCollum, he tested well. Jermaine Waller out of Virginia Tech because um, he ran pretty slow. Lewis Sign out of Georgia, Carl Hamilton, Notre Dame. I don't think Carl Hamilton can be a loser. Um, you know, I think he's, I just think he can turn up and play. I think he'll show that in his pro day. Then I look at uh, look at it from a draft network standpoint. Um, people know I'm pretty. I, I like the draft network. Regular listener of their shows outside of BTSC. Probably the only other thing I listen to apart from um, you know move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. They had winners for the DBs of Tara Woolen out of UTSA. I think a lot of people were really impressed with that. Six foot four, four two six in the forty is just incredible. Um, I agree with them on that. Source Gardner was a winner. JT Woods out of Baylor was a winner for them. Losers were Jermaine Waller out of Virginia Tech. That was similar to PFF. Derek Stingley Jr., um, considering he has, he's you know still rehabbing from his injury. I've seen Derek Stingley fall, and it's interesting because like you know some people are like nah, what he does on tape is great, but I've seen other people have a lot of issues with what he does on tape, and he's not going to fit every team. So you know it's kind of interesting with him. Uh, when it's from a linebacker perspective from the draft network, Trey Anderson, Channing Tindall, Christian Harris, Malcolm Rodriguez, they had Jack Sanborn as a loser. Um, that's interesting. I think he's really dropped down the rankings now, um, but it's worth having seen what he'll do at the pro day. Mike Rose out of Iowa State. I'm not fully familiar with him, but he's more of the hybrid safety linebacker. So that's interesting. I think some of us expected um, that listen to them regularly expected Jojo Doman, um, Doman to really test out a little bit more than he did. So that's interesting. He didn't even make a list as a winner or a loser. Um, I think Chad Moomer gets, you know, a bit slighted there though. Um, maybe it's just me. Uh, running back winners for them were Brees Hall, Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, Pierre Strong, South Dakota State. Losers were Kyron Williams as well. Um, you know, Isaiah Spiller, you know, dropped down a little bit with some of his testing. Again, you know, these guys, the pro day will change some things. Um, winners at wide receiver were Calvin Austin, the third out of Memphis, Kevin Austin Jr., Alex Pierce out of Cincinnati, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Loser was David Bell out of Purdue. Yeah, he's a bigger, um, heavier, I mean, have a musclier wide receiver, but like, geez, you know, 4.4.65 is pretty bad. Like, I know Cooper Cup, um, Super Bowl MVP. You know, best wide receiver, offensive player of the year, ran a 4-6-1. But Bell and Cup are not the same player. Um, and that's a big gamble to just assume that he can do that um, with that sort of a time. Uh, tight end for them. Winners were Greg Dulcich, Jelani Woods, Shig um, Akon, Akonquo out of Maryland. I thought he did well, actually. Um, he, I heard some good things from coming out of All-Star Week from him, um, and that seemed to sort of correlate Jake Ferguson dropped down the rankings a bit in Wisconsin. I think that could make him a later day, you know, um, day three pick than what he might have been um, there if he'd scraped in on day two. Uh, Curtis Hodges out of Arizona State and someone I'm fully familiar with. And they had Cole Turner losing a bit as well because he didn't do well in the bench press. He didn't do well in his 40-yard time. And, you know, he's really more of a pass-catching tight end. Um, so that, that's a huge hit in stock for him. With that, we're going to take a break on uh, Steel's Warren. Join me for part two. We're going to talk about some more of my sort of surprises um, and successes in this draft. Um, there's sort of a, a lot that correlates across. And then I'm going to go a little bit deeper into, into two of those players in Cole Strange and uh, Cam Jurgens as well. Woo!
And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds, and Kevin Colbert, and I can't, Mike Tomlin, Brandon Hunt, the rest of Steel's front offices, they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. So it is definitely a really interesting time, getting closer to the draft, one of my favorite times of the year, where, you know, a week away from free agency, tampering period starts in a few days as well, the legal tampering period. It's all going to go nuts. Um, we'll talk about free agency next week on the show as it, as it sort of hits. Um, it'll be going live, you know, I think the day that this show goes live. So I'll do some, you know, quick predictions and what have you there. Um, the thing that you want to remember before I go into, you know, a little bit more of my thoughts around the combine is there's been a lot of coaching changes. There's been a lot of GM changes. I say this, you know, all the time. This is going to change how people draft, right? Free agency will change how people draft. The cap moving to 208 million, not 203, which is something that we talked about, you know, back into last year on this show. That is going to change what teams do. You're starting to see it. Bobby Wagner got released, for example, from the Seahawks when this goes to air. There are different people that this is going to happen for as well. So it's really important that we think about the fact that what you're seeing in mock drafts right now could look very, very different come draft day. We also know that there's trades right before draft day. Think, you know, Miami, think San Francisco last year, think, um, you know, Carolina Panthers, um, you know, with the Jets, all these sorts of things. So, you know, this is one of the differences. um, Philadelphia Eagles, another example, um, in, in terms of what's right now versus what actually happens. Um, so yeah, we'll see. And for, for example, I saw one draft that was based on how the league one mock draft from the draft network that was ba- that they basically did right off the combine ba- and before the trades of um, Russell Wilson, of course, um, and Aaron Rodgers. But it basically looked at how the league prioritizes positions. And when I did that, it was quite interesting in terms of where, who fell and where, um, because right now, you know, the, we know on, on draft day, um, it basically could be that there's a run on quarter cornerbacks or I've seen uh, quarterbacks, sorry. I've seen there could be a run on offensive tackles, which puts Trevor Penning um, to be drafted there, you know, in the, at, I think at six with the New York giants. Um, you know, that could be pretty interesting if, if that actually happens. Um, so you know, this is the thing that you've got to think about with the draft is, where do things change? Because also you've got a bunch of pro days um, that are about to happen as well. And so when I look at this mock draft, you know, the Jaguars had Evan, Evan Neal, that makes sense. Agent Hutchinson to Michigan, from Michigan to Detroit, that makes sense. Kyle Hamilton to the Texans, they're like best players off the board. The Jets then take um, at Conwu, you know, Thibodeau, this had Thibodeau to the Giants, had Charles Cross to the Panthers, um, you know, but again, maybe you see Malik Willis there. Giants, Trevor Penning, uh, so you've seen the Giants double up their defense and offense, you know, really shore up their lines. Uh, Trayvon Walker to Georgia uh, makes sense for them. Jermaine Johnson to the Broncos, now they don't need the quarterback. Uh, Ahmad Gardner to the Jets. Um, but remember, the Broncos pick is now the Seattle pick, so they probably do need a quarterback in Malik Willis. Um, but they had Malik Willis in this draft going to Washington. Um, they had the Steelers being able to get Matt Corral, but I don't know whether Matt Corral really still is at 20. We've got to see what he's going to do in terms of a pro day. They had Linda Baum going to the Eagles. Sorry, Steeler fans at 19. Just missed out. Garrett Wilson going to the Saints. Jordan Davis going to, um, you know, the Chargers. 
you know, more defensive players going to the Eagles and Andrew Booth and David Ajabo, Derek Stinley Jr. going to the Ravens, Jamison Williams to the Browns, Paul Him, Baker Mayfield, Devin Lloyd, the Patriots at 21, Devontae Wyatt to the Raiders at 22, Zion Johnson to the Cardinals. I keep seeing him mock there. The Steelers don't pick him there. You know, I think that's where he goes. Perry and Winfrey to the Cowboys, that could be a really versatile fit for them. Traylon Burks to the Bills, which is probably scary for anyone else in the league, and particularly in the AFC at the moment. Um, they don't need a big body wide receiver. You don't pairing with Josh Allen. Um, George Karloftis to the Titans. I think good George Karloftis is starting to find that he's not the best fit for a lot of teams, um, and his draft stock's slumping. Drake London, you know, to the Buccaneers. I don't think they're going to go wide receiver, but that's where it is. Boy, Marfe to the Packers. That could be really interesting for them um, if they're not going to get, you know, double down on edge or, or cornerback or get younger at offensive line. Um, Chris Olave to the Chiefs. My gosh, can you imagine? Kenyon Green to the Bengals, slipping all the way to 31. I don't know about that. Um, and Nicobe Dean to the Lions, so I double down there. But I've seen Kenny Pickett going there in a few other mocks. So that's like an interesting sort of situation. Um there when we talk about mock drafts and how things are moving around. Um, so some successes and surprises for me. Um, you know, I'll save Carl Jurgens and Cole Strange a little bit later because we were going to talk about Cole Strange anyway, and then Carl Jurgens jumped off the tape for me. Zion Johnson was terrific, uh, you know, at the combine. I think John, Zion Johnson quickly proved that he, you know, he's worthy of a top 25 pick. I think Zion Johnson... Uh, you know, some good size there, some versatility, you know, kind of showing that if you're in a pinch, you can play potentially all five positions. Um, and, and I think that that's really works in his favor um, in what he wants to actually do in this league and, and where he wants to be drafted. And he certainly made himself some money, you know, in the draft process. I'm excited by what he can deliver. I'm so excited that I don't even know whether he's going to be there for the for the Steelers at twenty. I, you know, I lot of people say he's not. You know, a top twenty five, top thirty pick. He is an eventual starter. That's he's got this greatest six point three four. Um, you know, according to NFL's ratings um, for prospects, an eighty eight um, athleticism grade for next gen stats, three hundred twelve pounds, six foot three, thirty four um, wingspan. Um, their you know weakness, you know strengths, two time ten captain with lots of intelligence, big bubble. Um, girthy lows, wingspan like a tackle, strength length travels into brute force designation. It's got a wide stout base, good double team blocker with technical savvy, excellent leverage and lift into his initial strike, consistent latch, stain and push as a block finisher. Um, rarely lingers on combos, getting the second block with timing. Awesome. Takes accurate cutoff angles to linebackers. Protection benefit from tackle experience 2020. Natural pop in the phone pole punch. Um, in steps and hip roll sink a heavy anchor versus bull rush. He just looks quick too, um, even though it's for his size. He just, I just felt he looked quick. Um, weaknesses: He does have an unorthodox pre-snap stance. He can be inconsistent on gaining ground on stretch plays. Sometimes struggles adjusting with moving targets. Can better help. Could better help teammates dealing with a one-on-one rush. Occasionally has an issue with twists and blitzes. Below average redirection quickness. Punch will land a little high and slide off the pads. Steelers can teach him how to do that. Um, slow in resetting and regrouping hands. Again, I think the Steelers could up-level that one too. So that's Zion Johnson. I thought he had a great um, performance there. I think from a tackle perspective, definitely 
Um, definitely, I thought Trevor Penning and his four eight nine was really good. That's top four equals second. Um, there, I think he's proven a lot of people wrong um, in terms of what he can do athletically. I do wonder though, like whether it's more that run blocking. I don't, I, you know, that the pass blocking element. Um, you know, I think they're still not a hundred percent. You know that he's a top ten, top fifteen pick. But you can, depending on the way this draft falls and the way that O linemen are drafted and where they're drafted, that could change really, really quickly. Um, so it's interesting. Jelani Woods, I definitely thought he was a standout at tight end. I thought he's, I think he did a 4 6 1 um, in the 40. Yeah, he did. Bench, he did 24 reps. Um, you know, that's offensive lineman level almost. He's a massive dude. Uh, I think. Get a, whichever team gets him, I don't think the Steelers are necessarily in for him, um, but he will contribute across the board. Six foot seven, 260 pounds. He's just a big body. Um, you know, he's an ex, I think it's quarterback and um, wide receiver, I think, or as well. So, he, you know, he's got that in him. Um, he's going to have to do a bit more to fill out. Um, I think there's some questions a little bit around how good he is at blocking. Um, you know, and, and what he can do in terms of the point of attack. Um, hand placement needs some work, you know, but he's really raw. Like he's not a guy that's played tight end all his life. He's moved around from a few different colleges. So I think this is the thing with Jelani Woods, but to me, I just thought he stood out. I think he surprised everyone with his 40 times. He's a big body. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, what happens with him there. Uh, Greg Dulcich as well at tight end. Now it's interesting. I'm talking about tight ends. You know, you're probably sitting there going, the Steelers don't need one. Um, and this guy's probably going to go pretty high. He's still probably a day two pick, um, realistically, and he's still probably a fairly late day two pick. But he could be a really good backup with the potential to be a starter, according to NFL.com. I think he's doing pretty well. Um, comparison to Trey McKitty, who I think is with the Panthers, which after last year, I think it was. Um, this guy can do some stuff, you know, average 17.6 yards in college. Um, I think it was last season. No, for his career. Sorry, I'm wrong. Um, six foot four, 243 pounds. Um, you know, a, a decent size so guy from in hand size. It's nine and seven, eight inches. Um, what bigger than Ken, Kenny Pickett's? Um, <laughs> so yeah, he stood out to me as well. Um, I'm not, you know, Dylan Parham stood out for me as well from Memphis. So did Zach Thomas. Um, obviously, Wyatt Davis uh, did, you know, sorry, Devontae Wyatt, Wyatt Davis, combined two players there. Devontae Wyatt stood out as well. Um, you know, I think he showed what he can do and he's going to be really versatile out of Georgia. I mean, Georgia, man, do they breed these defensive guys um, there? I like what he can do, um, you know, but so did Jordan Davis. Uh, Jordan Davis balled out 341 pounds and he ran the, the time that he did there, you know, 478, 1.01 1, of a second slower than Devontae White. Um, but it's interesting. I had a take on Jordan Davis being, you know, because I'm not, for the Steelers draft him. I don't think he's going to play enough downs for us. And I don't think it's a position that's in that much of a need for us to spend the 20th pick on it, even if he's BPA. Um, and and I don't think he'll be BPA at, at 20 um, if he's sitting there. He could be taken a lot higher, but even if he's not, I don't think he's BPA for, for the Steelers. Um, and it's interesting, though, they sort of said he's lost 20 pounds from his playing weight. Of course, he's going to run faster. And that's interesting. I still don't think people are putting the ball out. But if he's going to run this weight and, it, you know, this time and people are going to start thinking more athletically, does he have the ability to ladder up and actually deliver on that athleticism? And that's where he's going to end up really raw. So I'm not sure this time 
fully supports Jordan Davis. In fact, this time could be a bit of a blessing, you know, not a curse rather than a blessing. Um, you know, maybe some Steelers fans go, Matt, still love him, fine. But I love that Travis Jones ran a 4.92. I think that's exactly what he wanted to be running. Um, he still shows up on tape. Obviously, defensive linemen don't need to run 40 yards as well. So a lot of this is more important with their 10-yard time, which unfortunately doesn't get fully split out, um, you know, on NFL.com, which is disappointing because I would love to compare those. Uh for me and, and for, for context too, Cam Hayward ran a four nine five, um, you know, there. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for my boy, Travis Jones. Um, as I say, Connor Hayward had a, had a, had a great combine. I think he showed a lot from people. People are like, Oh, is he the next sort of Kyle use check? Um, you know, had a four seven two uh, 40 time, you know, I think he's, I think he's someone that's really gained the attention of different people. And he's, you know, lined up at H back at running back. Um, at tight end. And I think he even had a couple of snaps at wide receiver as well. So, you know, that's something that stood out um, for people there as well in terms of what he did. I don't know whether he did the did the bench or not. Um, I know he did the vertical. I'm just trying to pull the vertical one. Yeah, 32.5 there. Broad jump. He did a he didn't test on the broad jump. Three cone. He didn't test on that one either, which is not surprised. 20-yard shuttle, didn't test there either. 60-yard shuttle, no. Um, that wouldn't be relevant for him anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of interesting from that perspective. Some surprises for me. Uh, Alonte Taylor, someone I'm mocking to the Steelers a lot in the sixth round. I think he's out of Tennessee off the top of my head. Um, top four and 40 yards, top 10 uh, in vertical jump as well, which was, which I thought was interesting. Uh, there now he's 40 times a four, three, six top four and a broad jump. Yeah. He's out of Tennessee. He's a bigger guy, um, as well there, you know, Alonso Taylor, uh, you know, six foot, 199 pounds, um, 6.17 is his prospect grade. So good backup with the potential to develop into a starter. Thing is his tape doesn't ladder up. A lot of people don't think his tape ladders up to what he did athletically. And that's going to cost him. Still think he's probably got himself into the late in the fourth minimum. Um, with what he's done. So that's interesting. Tarek Woolen and Kalen Barnes definitely showed up. So, you know, I don't know whether they were fully surprising. People expect them to be fast, but I think they had pretty good combines. Devin Lloyd's 40 time. I thought that was going to be a bit faster. So that's interesting. I don't not love him after that, but I, I certainly think that could seem for a little bit. Please, please. Number 20 with the 20th pick in the NFL 22 draft. The Steelers don't, don't, don't. That's hockey. Steelers picked Devin Lloyd, please. Thank you very much. Um, Troy Anderson certainly did well. Uh, linebacker as well. I think he's put his name on people's radar. Uh, so has Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, who we talked about earlier. Nick Cross um, out of Maryland had an awesome 40. Um, he certainly probably earned himself some money there out of Maryland. Um, he's someone that I, I liked the Steelers. I, I've mocked him late. A few times, um, you know, I think he was the roommate of Dino, Mike Coleman's kid. I think it's him that's the the, the Maryland player that's there. Um, pretty athletic, 212 pounds if you can run that time. You know, that's going to be incredible. Vertical jump, 37. Broad jump, 130. Um, you know, comparison to Cameron Curl, who's at Washington, um, pretty good. The overview on him is he's a bouncer on the Maryland defense, playing with aggression, explosiveness to throw opponents out of the club. He's a chase player who seeks to make a statement upon impact and has an impressive stopping power near the line as an open field tackler. He's tight, hip, light, linear mover, so flipping and flying, not his strong suit. 
He's capable of matching with most flavors of tight end and we're most comfortable in coverages that allow him to play with a downhill trigger. He has the temperance size and toughness to be an eventual starter in this league. You know, a lot of this will depend on what they do with Edmonds, but hey, I'd love to have him as a depth piece. My gosh, um, you know, their uh, strengths, big muscle, an enforcer, races forward and explodes into receivers, straight line burst, good ball focus, size and strength um, to match up with tight ends. He's quick to pounce. Weaknesses can be a little bit... T- um, tardy in some of his run support downhill needs to keep active um comes sometimes becomes a bit of a drag down tackler um linear movements limit his back end impact he can be a little bit tight in the hips unable to open up in range quickly off the hash doesn't drive with playmaking angles in on breaking routes again i think he's someone that you bring to the box and you look to hammer home um but yeah i, I thought nick cross earn himself some money. And, you know, if the Steelers picked him late on day three, I wouldn't hate it, but I'd, um, sorry, late on day two, I wouldn't hate it, but I prefer it on early on, uh, on day three. RBs. So I thought the RBs and running backs or the halfbacks, depending on what you want to call them. I thought they, yeah, they went really fast, but I don't think it's necessarily helped anyone. Um, you know, I think Kenny Walker and Brees Hall are up there with Isaiah Spiller as the top guys. Pierre Strong's proved you can do stuff, but just because they're around quick, like, I think they've made it really hard for the future generations of running back to make some money. Like Najee Harris might be the highest taking running back for a very long time um, at this rate, because I think people are starting to obviously see the value in that position of turning them over. Maybe draft guys in the first round, not in this draft, but in other drafts, um, you know, so you get the five-year contract. But if guys are going to run this fast and that many of them, I, I just think they're, they're going to end up being late in day, day two picks from now on at the position for a while. So, you know, it's going to be interesting unless there's a massive bruiser that can do something. Um, I know Brian Robinson's time. People didn't love that at four five three. I didn't mind it, actually. I thought considering the way he plays and who he plays behind and that sort of stuff, I actually thought that wasn't a bad time. Um, for him, you know, he is starter quality in this league at some point. He can take a heavy workload. You know, I'd consider him if he's sitting there late. I know he's a bit similar to Najee, but far out, let's just bound and pound and grind. Um, particularly if you're going to have start Mason Rudolph um, at quarterback as well. You know, this is a guy that you, you might want to bring in if you're sitting there early day three, late day two. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. So with that, we're going to move over to Cole Strange and, you know, Cam Jurgen. So we, we talked a little bit about them. Um, earlier. Cole Strange for me, I wanted to cover him because Cole Strange really showed up against Travis Jones at the Senior Bowl and he was one of the few players that I thought actually could hold his own um, against Travis Jones and, and how well he played. So I had a look into him, 23, um, 20, just 23.6 years of age. Um, there played for four seasons at um, Chattanooga um, and you know, this year, this season PFF gave him a rating, offensive rating of um, 86.3, a pass block rating of 82, and a run block rating of 85 with six penalties. Uh, he played 697 snaps in 2020, he played 268 snaps, um, with a, for a grade of 72 offensive overall, 67 in pass block, 75 in run block. Um, in 2019, he played 184 snaps, offensive grade of 69.4, pass block 82.5, run block 65.6. And he had some pretty average grades in the 60s um, there in 2018. I think the key thing is he's only ever committed 10 penalties. Um, I think the snap counts, he's played over 1,200 in college. It's decent. He's gotten better year on year. Uh, and you've seen that really from a run blocking perspective. And I think that's what we need from the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers there. Um, and what he's doing, he's a guard. Um, I think he probably projects a little bit inside, unless he's going to get a bit bigger, um, which he's probably he's going to have to do. I think he weighed in at 
300, he's 301 pounds, um, according to PFF, um, according to uh, NFL.com, just pulling up his weight there. Um, geez, he tested low on that one. Um, you know, but, but as I say, I love what he did on tape. Um, I love what he did against Travis Jones, the way he held his own. He beat, was really hard to drive back. Yeah, they have him at 307 pounds. So I think he's going to need to put on 20 to 30 pounds. Um, but I would love to see the Steelers look at this guy. Um, if he's projecting there late day two, early day three, I, I, as someone I'd be really supportive of them selecting to show up the guard position, particularly if they go in other positions like a Devin Lloyd at 20, Carson Strong at 52, or a wide receiver at 52, then a cornerback or a def- you know, defensive lineman. He, you know, him in the fourth and fifth round and trading back in potentially. Um, you know, I love the pick there in, in Cole Strange if you can get that done um, from there. But they've got a, he's got a NFL prospect rating of 6.26. Um, and that projects him as an eventual starter, a decent starter, not, not a superstar. Um, you know, in his overview, he's a high experience interior lineman, does a nice job of staying on schedule, shines over the first two phases of the block, which means he gains early positioning and gets into the sustained phase with proper hand usage and footwork. He will lose a tug of war battle as a pure man-to-man blocker. I don't know about that. He held on well against Travis Jones, but wins with lateral quickness. And yeah, he snapped really quickly um, against Travis Jones. And an understanding of angles as a move blocker, a snappier pass punch is needed to prevent sub-package rushes with hand talent from getting past him. Um, his frame and play strength are a little below average, but he has done some snapping in practice, so he could land as a future starting center for his own happy rush offense. Again, if you wanted to put him in there at center, like they've compared him to JC Treader, you could literally let him sit there and snap the ball a year behind Kendrick Green, you know, and really learn there. And I would still get him, even if he, even the Steelers meant to be high on Ryan Jensen and getting Ryan Jensen, I'd still bring him in, develop him, um, particularly if people are out on Kendrick Green or you want to move Green to guard. Um, but even if I don't, I don't know, I'd like to see him get to play as a guard. I think that's where I think he'd do a little bit better just personally. I think he's a bit bigger than Kendrick Green as well. Um, and I think versatility will be helpful long term. So that's Cole Strange. Then I want to talk about Cam Jurgens, uh, 5.83. He's been given a grade um, on NFL.com. That gives him a, a grade of an average backup or special teamer, according to the grading system, six foot three, 303 pounds, a little bit more closer to Kendrick Green's sort of sizing. The overview for him is he's a center prospect with a lack of desired measurables and position versatility that could cap his draft value. Jurgens is a quick and above average athleticism, but needs to harness his energy and play with better control in the early stages of a rep to improve his strike zone and success rate. He's a bit of a leaner in pass protection and could struggle to find his anchor against rugged bull rushes. He can play in a variety of run schemes and has average backup talent. Um, his eight weaknesses and strengths are pretty much even there. I liked what I saw from Ken Jurgens. I thought he had quick feet. I thought he showed that he's got the athleticism to do some things. Yeah, he's raw. He's 22 and a half, um, you know, out of Nebraska, uh, you know, played against teams like Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Northwestern, Minnesota, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. His best games of the season this year, according to PFF, from an offensive grade were against Oklahoma, Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue. His best pass blocking games were Illinois, Fordham, uh, Minnesota Northwestern, um, where he got in three of those games, he had a grade um, above 80. Um, his best run blocking game was against Oklahoma in week three with a run block grade of 81.8. Um, his next best were against Northwestern and Purdue, some of the better schools on that list as well. Um, you know, had an okay rating against, um, you know, Ohio State, which obviously one of the better teams. 
Um, you know, overall, his offensive rating moved way up the board from a 59.9 in 2018, a 44.1 in 2019, um, a 42.7 in 2020 to a 71.4 this year. So definitely moving up. Look, this guy's a, you know, six or seventh round draft pick, but you wouldn't be unhappy if you got him there. That's all I'm saying. If you're sitting there toward the end of the draft, he's the sort of guy you might see someone move up in the in the fifth, for example, you know, to go draft. I think a lot's going to come down to his pro day. Can he can he build on a really positive um, combine? But he's certainly on people's list, not just because he's got his nickname's Big Jerky, but you know he did he looked really really agile on tape. Um, I really liked it as well there. So that that wraps up all the things we want to cover in this week's Steel's Warm. I think to recap, look, the combine is one thing. You know, you got to think about what happens on tape. That's that really projects in terms of how people are going to play and what they're going to do. Um, that's number one. Number two is free agents in the draft are going to be defined by a lot of the changes that are happening in front offices. Um, you know, the salary cap numbers, salary cap numbers being confirmed. Teams starting to think about where they where they really want to focus, where they want to double down on, where they want to get better. You know, where are their runs at positions in free agents in the draft, and then that second wave of free agency. There's a lot you're going to get told um, on any, when you listen to any podcast, any show, um, you know, read any article, watch a TV show, watch a, you know, listen to talkback radio uh, around what's going to happen. And this is a fit for there. There are going to be a lot of surprising things that happen. So just be open to it. Um, and the Steelers are probably going to play it. I think the guys on the preview are going to talk about this. Um, you know, what the Steelers may or may not do. Steelers may take a, Softly, softly, quiet approach. But I, I do believe there's a plan in place. And I think the thing that the, the winners, the winners, right? You know, sorry, Jeff Hartman, but the winners or those that are going to be successful out of this offseason from a team perspective are the ones that do it with a steady hand and a plan in place and care about scheme, not names and stats. Um, names and stats are important. Um, proven pedigree is important. Proven performers are important. Um, but you can't sell out on other parts of the team. And really they're filled in some gaps with some really good coaches. And that could have a bigger impact on um, than all. Cause there's no point drafting a Zach Wilson and then having the jets do nothing. Right. Um, there's no, there's no point drafting, you know, really good, you know, defensive players, um, you know, and having them sit there, you know, in Jacksonville and, you know, be leaking a bunch of points because the offense can't stay on the field. Um, you know, this, this is the issue. So, with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers Warren. As always, go Steelers and enjoy what's going to be a very interesting week ahead. Of you.